Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner. And a special shout out to Pat, Greg, and Brady, who all reached out on Twitter to let us know that they listen. Thanks, boys. I know you you begged for, you know, some confirmation that we have listeners and you got it. So, uh, you know, that's been the alternative. I'll tell you who doesn't listen. Former ASU wide receiver Ellis Jefferson. <laughs> no, he probably doesn't. No, and if he did, he'd hear us uh, recount all those amazing moments he had, most of which I think happened in April or August. Um, but, you know, uh, a nice, what seemed like very long career at ASU, and apparently he still has one more year of eligibility, and he's going to go play for the major in Houston. So good luck to him. I wish him the best. Yeah, I mean, I hope it works out for him. He's one of those guys who was never a problem. You know, you never heard anything about no, the locker no, room issues. No, no, so. I mean, uh, a guy that uh, I think, you know, uh, fair or unfair, just felt like every year we waited for him to take that next step, and it just never quite happened. We've, you know, that's the way it is with college sports. You have guys who, who you know, you think, ah, just wait, this guy, you know, is redshirt freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, and just – just didn't quite happen that way, but a, a, a solid enough player who had some decent moments, but um, never became a star. Well, and I think part of that also, which is a good thing for ASU, is they recruited over him. You know, yes, they found yes. better yeah. players. I mean, uh, you know. He never really jumped up the uh, the depth chart. Right. Well, and I think especially this year with the two transfers at receiver, um, you know, I. I'll admit what I, you know, what I confessed to you via text is I forgot he was on the roster, um, you know, and, and I don't know if he was with the team in spring at all. Maybe he was already looking for grad transfer options. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, between what we got out of Harry last year, the two transfers, and then, a, you know, a, a bevy of other guys that are younger, um, seem money deep at that position. How we are, you know, that's to be determined, but – a lot of depth there and, and, you know, an opportunity for him. I think he was from Texas. So, you know, go back close to closer to home player last year. And, you know, again, I, no sarcasm intended. I wish him luck. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, to go change sports, but still talking about ASU, uh, very, very disappointing year for ASU baseball team is coming to a close. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Tracy Smith might not be the guy. Um, well, it's, it's, uh, right now very hard to believe that he is. I mean, it, it, uh, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a pretty patient fan, uh, especially in, in the sports culture we have today, which is demand results now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to see through the process. Um, and it is only year three, but he's taken over a program that, you know, was, was pretty good. It wasn't at its height. He came in, obviously, because that's why he had a coaching change. Um, but, you know, had made the tournament every year. It, it, you know, had this 50-year streak of 30-win season. Now that's all gone away. Um, first losing season, I think, since 85. You know, first under 30 wins since the 60s. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's it's real hard right now to – have any sort of confidence that that we're pointed in the right direction when things have gotten worse every year under him well and it's not just the result but the process has been terrible i mean there are guys who just abandoned the program with three weeks left in yeah. the season you know one yeah. one kid gets dismissed and then two others 
don't like how the dismissal goes, including a starter who just right. announces, yeah, I'm done. Right, you know? right, yeah. I mean, it, you know, and, and I look at his comments. I read, you know, some of the stories that have come out. and You know, I know Metcalf wrote a story, and he says, you know, well, we kind of knew that, you know, when we took this job that 2017 would be rough. And, you know, I look at that, and I think, well, baseball recruiting cycles are essentially three years. You know, if you, if you get good players, they're there three years. You're not keeping them for four or five like you do in football. Just not going to happen. Um, and, and so to look at year three, if indeed that's true, and say, well, my year three is going to be rough, well, that's your fault. You know, I mean, you you now have had the opportunity to start recruiting players. I'll give you your first year. I'll even give you year two because, you know, baseball recruiting does work ahead. And, you are you know, you go from Indiana, your base changes, the kids you're recruiting should change. And that's another problem here is that maybe they haven't changed. Um, and, and so it takes time. But year three should be the time you start seeing things pointed up. And instead, the arrow continues to go down. So that that's very concerning for me well and it's one of those things as you know sort of a passive observer of the college game you know you have to especially when you're a program like asu where in theory you should be recruiting the elite of the elite you have to to take some sort of consideration into not getting guys like i know the cornerstone of our recruiting class in theory was going to be chad mcclanahan who wound up signing with the brewers um, sure, at a Brophy, sure. and it's like, but you had to expect that he could have been drafted. The only issue was, would a team pay him the money he wanted to skip college? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, like it's it's part of it, and and every top level program, as I, you know, as I believe ASU should be. Now it's hard to argue that they are right now, but every top level program deals with that. You know, you're going to recruit guys who are not going to play for you. Um, I always go back, and this is an extreme example, but I always go back to, you know, what should have been the freshman class of 2009 at ASU, um, which, you know, had, I believe, five guys drafted in the top 50 picks, and all of them went pro, and Eric Hosmer was one who's obviously, you know, been the most successful. Uh, Brad Hand was one. He's gone to the major leagues. Brett Laurie was one. He's gone to the major leagues. Uh, Jeff Decker, I believe, briefly played in the major league, and Kyle Skipworth. Um, and that was elite players, but that class also had Drew Maggi, Zach McPhee, Johnny Rudiger, uh, Juco kids like Josh Spence and Cole Hood and Carlos Ramirez. And, and that made up the core of a team that went to the world series in 09, went back in 10, went to the super regionals in 11. And, and so even losing so much, you still had a lot of talent left over. Yeah. It, it's really something that you need to consider, you know, what it is that Smith's doing. You know, he turned Indiana into a really good program, but ASU wasn't a team that needed a turnaround guy. They needed a finishing guy. Right. So, I mean, the question here, Matt, becomes what do we do about it now that we're kind of in this mess at the end of year three of Tracy Smith? It's it's a tough question. I mean, you know, the the fan perspective – and my perspective is that we need to make a change and we need to go get somebody else. And, and then, you know, the pragmatist in me that realizes that ASU baseball, quite honestly, is not what it used to be. Um, 
you know, the, the shine has worn off a little bit. I think we have to be honest with ourselves and that's tough because ASU baseball is always the program that you thought, well, we're, we're good in that. May not win the championship, but, but we're always good. We always got a chance. Um, but that's been a while now. And so you ask yourself, who can you get? And I, you know, baseballs, I don't know college baseball enough as well, basketball and football, but, um, you know, we don't have a great budget on baseball, like some of the SEC powers and the big 12 powers and the ACC powers. So tough, you know, I, I don't know what the next step is, but, um, you know, I, I think realistically the next step is year four for Tracy Smith. I'm not happy about that, but I think that's probably what's going to happen. I expect that he'll be back. And then my guess, just because of how ASU baseball uh, booster uh, culture works, is that they will go yeah. back to the ASU tree. They will get somebody, yeah. you know, I don't know, maybe Paul LaDuca is managing an independent league team and they bring him in. Or something. Yeah. It'll be somebody yeah. like that who has a pedigree who we think can do well as a coach, but who really yeah. understands that ASU baseball needs to be a, an elite power. Needs to be something special. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, the brand that was built here for decades from Bobby Winkles to Jim Brock to Pat Murphy. Um, you know, ASU just, you know, what. The years, and, and I say, you know, it's been a while, but it hasn't been that long. You know, we're talking less than 10 years that, you know, when you showed up to play ASU, you know, at Packard, and not at Packard anymore, but, you know, it was it was as good as a five-run advantage before the first pitch was ever thrown because you knew they had talent. You knew the home field was tough, um, you know, and, and we've lost that. And, and uh it's kind of sad to me. I mean, it really is sad to me that now check ASU baseball scores and I'm surprised when they win. That's not the way it should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it, it, uh, look, I, the move to Muni was a good move and I still think it was, but you know, as I, as I drive by Packard stadium now on a daily basis and I see it, you know, run down, uh, you know, used as a construction overflow parking lot for Sun Devil stadium, um, you know, and the grass is, you know, up to your knees and the, and the berms. And, you know, it's kind of a symbol for kind of where the program has gone to, not to get too deep. But, uh, you know, it, it, it makes me sad, quite honestly, because ASU baseball is a program I have a lot of pride in and I'm not living up to that right now. And a lot of people have a lot of pride in it. A lot of former players and coaches that I know are feeling the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think you see the frustration um, in the coverage, the limited coverage AZ Central does of it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just sort of this almost existential dread of like, well, what are we if we're not a good baseball program? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, again, this is it's a very proud tradition. There's a lot of, of, you know, going back decades and a lot of current major leaguers um, that, you know, put in, put in the effort to keep this program what it was and, and, you know, raise it back up a little, it never reached these depths, but, you know, for a few years in the early two thousands, there was a gap between going to Omaha, you know, a lot of guys that contributed to those teams that went in Oh five and Oh seven and nine and 10. And, and, you know, every year had a chance in that seven year stretch from Oh five to 11, every, we're, we're, you know, in the top 25 in the 10, most of those years. 
Um, and it's it's sad to say, really is. You know, I mean, you just don't just don't have the talent right now. I mean, you you know, you compare these teams now to what what was done in two thousand nine and ten. It's not even close. Um, and so I say, you know, well, maybe we need to adjust. You know, it hasn't been that long. Um, and, and so we just we got to find the answer somehow. And I'm, I'm not sure the current guy has the answers, but we'll see. I hope he does. I mean, as long as he's the coach here, I hope he turns it around. But I'm, I'm losing faith rapidly. Yeah. It's becoming clearer and clearer that uh, the fan base is running out of patience with Tracy Smith. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as you said, yes, he did well at Indiana. Um, but Indiana's not Arizona State. I know that sounds very egotistical. But we've earned that right to be egotistical in baseball. Um, and, and, you know, the Big Ten is not the Pac-12 in baseball either. And, and uh, you know, so and it's all well and good that he did well in Indiana, but I don't really care. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it gave me hope when we got him. But right now it feels like, well, maybe you should have, you know, stayed the big fish in the little pond because maybe the big pond wasn't right for you. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have a lot of angry emotions about it, as you can tell. It's it's coming out. Uh, yeah. And I yeah. think what we're going to do is let you uh, tap into those emotions, and we're going to talk <laughs> a little bit about uh, the NBA playoffs. The The Warriors wound up going 12-0 and to get into the finals. Yeah. Um, no, I was right, though. Neither team, Both teams wouldn't sweep their way through. I didn't expect it to happen the way it did, but at least I got that prediction right. Very true. Um well, so let's let's start with talking about the Spurs Warriors. Um, yeah, you know the the Warriors look like the way they were supposed to look. You know they yeah, have they all of these hey. All Stars and MVPs and Defensive Players sure. of the Year and sure. Now, I mean, you know, we talked before the series and they beat the Rockets, and I told you I didn't I didn't have a lot of hope. Um, that hope went up a lot in the first two and a half weeks of Game One. And and then Kawhi Leonard gets hurt, and he never sees the floor again, and and so it goes in the file. As a Spurs fan, you kind of you know you have those, at least I do. You know you have the the years they won, and then you have the years where you say, boy, what if? And and this to me is one of those. It's not it's not at the level of 2013 when they were you know one missed shot away from winning the championship, um, but it's it's in that miss you know of, of kind of you know you just are what if. Would it have been a tough haul to beat this team four out of seven? Without a doubt. But I go back to what I saw those first two and a half quarters, what I saw when the teams played at full strength during the season, which was only one game, and it was the season opener, admittedly. Um, but they blew Golden State off the floor, uh, you know, in, in Oakland the first night of the season. And you just wish they'd had a chance, at least I do, wish they'd had the chance to take them on at full strength. But they didn't, and that's life. And you know, you just you just accept that. You know, there's no use crying about it. Do you think that Manu or Parker will be back next year? It's hard to say. I, I mean, I I think you know all the vibes were that Ginobili was this was his last year, and you know I, I will admit to watching very closely in the fourth quarter of Game Four, even though the game was. Pretty much decided, and under normal circumstances, I probably would have just been frustrated, turned it off. But I wanted to see Ginobili one last time, um, and I was glad he got the the ovation he did. It was cool, you know. He uh, had a unique bond with that franchise, really unlike anybody. Um, the love that that the fans feel for him is is amazing. Um, uh, you know, for for a guy mostly a bench player, 
you know, at least in title. Um, so I, I think he's probably done, and I think that he was right for him to be done. He still had a solid season, but, uh, you know, Parker, I, I don't know. Depends on his drive. Does he, you know, I mean, look, does he want to have this grueling rehab to try to come back? I don't know. I, I mean, uh, you know, without knowing his, you know, inner character, it's hard for me to put. Yeah, I mean, it, I think that with Parker – it's interesting because had he been healthy and they got swept, um, yeah. I think he would just be done because, you know, okay, we we had our a good run. We made the conference finals sure. again. And, you know, he's, he's not an old man by any means, but he's spent a lot of years as a starting point guard in the NBA. Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's 36 now. I mean, he's not old, but he's – He's old for basketball, and yeah, he's been in the league for 16 years now. He was the 0-1 dress, so a very long career. So, but, you know, guys like this don't always want to go out on an injury. They want to, right. you know, go out I, on their own terms. But Yeah, and, and you know, seeing how Ginobili went out, uh, I mean, and I don't know if this affects him, but certainly as I watched it, I thought, It'd be nice if Parker could get this kind of goodbye. You know, you never know how it's going to go. Obviously, you'd love to go out, you know, with a chip and, you know, you're on, you're on the stage holding up the trophy and that's the last time we see you. That's, that's ideal, but for most guys, it doesn't work out that way. You know, Duncan's goodbye was, was uh, swift and, and sudden, which kind of that's what people expected. Um, you know, the, the one-inger as he, you know, walked off the court in OKC last year and, kind of thought that meant he knew he was done, and it turned out that's what it was. Um, Ginobili went out with a little more fanfare, uh, fitting of his personality and the way he played, you know. And so it'd be nice if Parker could get a little more than, you know, going out, being carried off the floor. But, uh, you know, again, how, look, the career was great. He's going to the Hall of Fame. So is Manu. Uh, you know, and if they are done, it's been a heck of a ride. And, and you know, the team is still positioned to be good going forward, which, you know, five, six years ago, I, I didn't dream that possible that when these three would be done or near done, that, that the team would still be a championship contender. Yeah. Well, they, they found a gem in Kawhi. <laughs> they did. They did. I mean, this is a, it's a strange series to, to process because, you know, when you, when you get swept, generally, you know, you can think, well, boy, we're a long, we're long away. You know, we got a lot of work to do. Um, but it just feels like we don't really know, you know, how far away are they? Are they that far away at all? I don't know. Um, and, and the Spurs are a patient franchise. They've, they've proven that over the years, and, and it's worked. So I expect this team to come back mostly intact. I, it's, it's fashionable now. Oh, they should trade Aldridge, and they should do this and do that. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, you'll see a tweak here and there, as always. You don't bring back the same 15 guys. But, uh, you know, I think they'll bring back this group as intact as it can be, depending on Parker and Ginobili and, and give it another run because what's the alternative? You know, I mean, you're, you know, you're not going to go get Russell Westbrook. You know, that's, that's fantasy basketball. It's not going to happen in real life. So, you know, you come back with the same group and you hope for better health come May and you, you know, you take your chances. Yeah. And on the flip side, on the Eastern conference, the, Celtics find out Isaiah Thomas is going to miss the rest of the playoffs, and that's when they decide they're going to beat Cleveland and push them hard in another game. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I know, you know, we, we talk, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it's, you know, people like to rush it. Oh, great Aldridge. And you start to hear the same thing about Isaiah Thomas. Um, I say be careful what you wish for. You know, I know they've got the number one pick, and, and we think that Markel Fultz is going to be great, and maybe he will. But Isaiah Thomas is a guy who just came off a year with 29 points a game and led you to the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And, yeah, might be playing better in this series without him. But consider just one element that I'm thinking. They didn't play much without him this year. Uh, I don't know how many games he played, but he never missed an extended amount of time. So there's no real scouting report on how they play without him. Cleveland has nothing to go off of. Of Well, this is what we need to take away. So you have a little bit of an advantage in that you can throw things at a team they haven't seen before. Try it for 82 games, and it might not be so fun. Yeah. Well, and Cleveland's defense in the playoffs has left a little to be desired. It has. Yeah, well, and, and prior to the playoffs, I mean, they were, they were terrible defensively the last two months of the season. They've been better in the playoffs, but they're still not great. Um, you know, look, they're going to be better defensively without Isaiah Thomas. I don't think there's much doubt about that. He's not good defensively. But some of the greatest of all time are not good defensively. I mean, you know, for every LeBron and Jordan, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of this guy, but Steve Nash was terrible on defense. But you take him on your team, he was good. You know, he brought a lot to the table even though he couldn't defend. So, you know, uh, that always makes me laugh and say, oh, well, this guy's defensively. Well, yeah, but if he can score 25 and, and get 10 assists – who cares? You know, you work around that. Yeah, I mean, that's Mike D'Antoni's whole offensive system is built around It is, that. it is. Yeah, you know, I mean, James Harden is another great example. James Harden will be confused for Defensive Player of the Year. But he just had a year where he averaged, you know, 29 and 12, uh, led the league in assists and was second in the league in scoring. You'll take that. You know, you'll, you'll work around his deficiencies on the other end of the floor. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a different discussion people are having, you know, should they sign Isaiah Thomas with a max contract next year? I don't know about that. I would be, I would wait and see, but would I trade him this off season when he's making six and a half million dollars next year, which is like, you know, bench warmer money in the NBA now. And he just had a great MVP caliber season. Not in a million years. Would I do that? I mean, I, I, I run it back with him. And, and I draft Markel Fultz and try to play them together, and then maybe next year I got a decision to make. Yeah, I mean, right now, I think if you're the Celtics, you obviously run it back next year. But, it, yeah. you know, to your point, he's an undersized, contact-driven guard sure. who's coming off of who's now be a close major... To 30. Yeah, with a major hip injury. And a major... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's 28, so next year he'll, you know, he's 29, and he's going into his age 30 year, and and with the max salary being what it is at, you know, close to $40 million a year right now, yeah, I'd be wary of that. Um, but that's a decision for a later date. Right now, I, to me, you don't have a decision to make. you got a great player, and you got the number one pick. That's a good situation to be in. Don't, don't make it worse. Well, the, the thing that I come back to on this is sort of like um, when you trade for a relief pitcher and you just burn mm-hmm. him out for – the rest of sure. the season. That's how, if I'm the Celtics, I treat Thomas next year. It, you know, and he might not like it. His agent might not like it, but sure. You know, you need him for next year. And yeah. if yeah. that means his hip gets hurt for the long-term contract, 
well, okay. Right. That, you that's, know. that's the unfortunate part of the business. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, he's proven he can be the best player on a really good team. Can he be the best player on a championship team? I don't know. Not many guys can say that they can. You know, I mean, like, are, are we that picky that, you know, well, you know, all we did was get to the conference finals. Well, I mean, that's pretty good. You know, I know we're in a championship or bust sort of culture nowadays, but they were really good. And, you know, again, it's that be careful what you wish for. You know, it's the same thing we talked about with the Clippers a few weeks back. You want to get rid of what you've got for the promise of maybe something better. Well, a lot of times that promise isn't fulfilled. And then you end up winning 35 games and you're drafting 10th in the lottery and you're thinking, boy, I wish we had that guy back. Ask the Phoenix Suns if they're happy they got rid of Isaiah Thomas two years ago. Probably the answer is no. Yeah, well, and, and it's also, you know, the question, is he the best player on a championship team? I don't know, but is he the second best if Markel Fultz is sure. the best? Next right, year, right. Know. Or Gordon Hayward or Paul George or, you know, I mean, they're, they've got money to spend. They've got assets to trade, you know. So, yeah, I mean, the, the idea that, well, you know, okay, you can't have him be your number one guy and win a title, that's exactly what I would say. Well, have a number two guy. Give it a run like that, you know. I mean, he's a really good player. Um, you know, can he coexist with Fultz? I don't know. You know, they're both, they're both point guards. Um, it may not work. And maybe at the deadline, you decide, all right, you know, we got to make a move. We got this young piece that we think is going to be great, and we need to make that move now. Okay. But in the offseason, I wouldn't. Because you don't know what Markel Fultz is going to be right off the bat. He may not be ready to play, you know, 30 minutes a night for a championship contender. Very likely he's not. Yeah. I mean, the most games he's ever played is a college season with no postseason. Yeah. And he didn't even play a full college season. He missed, you know, the second half of the Pac-12 season, really. Uh, he, may, he played, I think, one or two games the last month, he, you know. So, yeah, you know, I mean, we don't have much to go on with him. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would take my chances with a guy I know can score, you know, 25-plus a game over the course of an 82-game season. I'm not getting rid of a guy like that, um, you know, un- unless somebody sweeps me off my feet. I mean, it's, you know. Somebody's gonna, you know, I, these trades aren't gonna happen. But if you know, OKC comes and says, "Russell Westbrook or Isaiah Thomas," and I'm saying yes, but that that ain't gonna happen. So you stick with what you've got, and you know, you again, it's like I said with Burrs, you give it in the run. Because sometimes we think, oh, a team doesn't have any chance. Well, sometimes they do. I, I always go back to the Spurs in in '12, lost to OKC, and that was supposed to be the end of their window. And they ran it back with the same group, and they got to the finals two years in a row and won a title. So sometimes patience pays off. Yeah, you never know when the uh, young guns are going to make a stupid trade. And Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember that series. They won the first two, and, and then they got beat four in a row. And it was like, well, Torch has been passed. The Spurs are done. They need to blow it up, get rid of Parker, blah, 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 blah. blah. And they, they held firm. They didn't make really any major changes, and the next year, Harden gets traded. Uh, I think that was the year Westbrook got hurt in the playoffs, and, you know, they get to the finals, and then the year after that, they win the title. And, you know, again, the, the easy thing to do then would have been, ah, blow it up, let's make big changes, let's try to build through the draft. Well, you would have missed out on two really great years if you'd done that. Yeah. So well, you never know. 
We'll see. There's going to be a lot of intrigue the next few weeks, both uh, as the NBA Finals roll on and, you know, teams start posturing for the NBA draft. Plus, you know, all this does is get us closer to college football practices opening. We're 100 days away, less than 100 days away from college football starting. So. Very exciting. Yes, yes, I know it. I know it is right around the corner. So there's plenty of stuff to be looking at. Um, in the meantime, we will be back. We've got uh, we've got some some ideas cooking for some special shows. And uh, yes. until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>